0: This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Chris Flowers. It was recorded at the Reading Distilling Guild in Reading, Pennsylvania. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to the Reading Distilling Guild and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at the Wedding Distilling Guild in Wedding, Pennsylvania. I'm here with Chris Flowers. Hello. Chris, how did all this get
1: started? Talk about how this distillery came to be. This distillery came to be... Uh, In 2012, Pennsylvania changed their distilling laws to basically allow distilleries back into the state. And as soon as I saw that, that is when I decided I'm going to be a distiller. So, you just
0: decided, what were you doing at the time? Were you
1: sitting on the couch? Were you at a bar? Yeah, at the time, um, I was talking to somebody about Blue Coat Gin. Gotcha, in Philadelphia. And that's how I found out. I was drinking Blue Coat Gin, and then I decided, this sounds like a wonderful opportunity.
0: So I'm what was what was the next process? You, you had that starting to come in, that passion coming. Did you ever want to open up a distillery
1: before? No, I never thought about it, not even one time. What kind of work were you doing at the time? At the time, I was doing corporate sales for General Motors. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so fleet, was it fleet? fleet yes. okay. The fleet sales. Uh, but my background is, I went to culinary school Where'd you go? I went to Pennsylvania Institute of Culinary Arts in Pittsburgh. Gotcha, gotcha. And then from there, I've lived all over the country, uh, Vegas, New Orleans, every other beach. Okay. And bartended, chef, managed restaurants, and I did that for about 14 years until I got burnt out from that.
0: So you have the same background as I did. I mean, I'm a chef, trained, I went to Johnson & Wales. I, I was always back in the house, and... Where did the spirit bug, where did the alcohol drink cocktail bug kind of catch you though? Just at that moment when you were drinking a Blue Coat Gin or?
1: Oh no, oh no. I I caught me funny is the movie Cocktail.
0: Okay, but Tom Tom Cruise, Cruise? yeah. And that other English guy that nobody ever remembers his name. Coughlin's
1: Laws, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I loved it. I'm like, that is the life, that's the life for somebody there. So I was younger and I was in culinary school, I was working kitchens, and one day, I'm in the kitchen, slaving away in the hot kitchen, and I go out to the front of the house, and there are all the bartenders, counting their money, getting ready to leave, and I'm still cleaning. I was like, I think I'm doing the wrong profession. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and from, from that moment and on. And you go home all sweaty, yeah. and you smell like food. yeah, and yeah. Burnt everywhere. Yeah. Cuts they, on your fingers. Yeah, they get to work in the air conditioning. Yeah. So I decided I was going to start bartending, and then that's basically what I
0: did for over a decade. So you already had that instilled. Where did that whole transfer, hey, I'm drinking Blue Coat Gin to saying it's 2012. I'm going to open up a distillery. Where, what
1: were the next steps for that? The next steps were figuring out what the licensing is to do it and figuring out how to distill. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. At the time, there's no real classes. There's no, you just have to figure it out. Um, there weren't very many people. That have done it in the country, especially
0: where you are now. Oh yeah, in Reading. Yeah, you know you'd have to go a little bit towards Lidditz or back towards Philadelphia, where you can make the trip up to Allentown, Bethlehem area yeah. too, um, oh, uh, well, and York. I mean, you've yeah. got some area, some some distilleries in New York, but it, I think in 2012,
1: oh there were zero. Yeah, there there were none. Even when I opened, I would say within a hundred miles of here, there were maybe four distilleries. Gotcha. At the time, yeah. But that's what I did. I went like I went out to Pittsburgh and anywhere I went around the country, I went to every distillery I could and talked to everybody I could. And the good thing about distillers is for the majority of us, we will help anybody anyway because we know how hard it is.
0: And I think back then, my mindset is, you want to do this? Come on board this way. I also have somebody to talk to exactly. to help work out my issues or share my successes with it. So it's like, yeah, come on board. Let's do this. I'll yeah. help you, whatever you need, and setting up with your, you, know, I guess, equipment providers yeah. and all that other stuff, right? Oh, yeah,
1: equipment. Just Where to source green? Exactly. Bottles, like everything, it's is a challenge. Well, especially it's not as bad now because there's just so many so many more distilleries. But back then, bottles, labels, tops, tops. The industry wasn't was set you up. for that. Right? Yeah, it wasn't set up at all. There were just there were the vendors weren't there. There were so few vendors and so few options that it helped to talk to anybody you could. And the good thing about talking those, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, they're like every day I wake up, they're like I don't even, I didn't even realize at the beginning of the day that I didn't know what I didn't know, right? And I just had to figure it out. And
0: like that was well, a, those are the challenges, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, the, the, and then you're, you're, look, I mean, we'll talk about how we got here, yeah. on pen. But this isn't, you haven't been, this is. This just opened up. Oh, yeah, this is yeah, brand new. This is brand new. Yeah. And it's been a long time coming to get here.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 And that's, so this is the second location. The first location is manufacturing only. Um, and that was, and one of the big problems for that with distillers right now is dealing with the local governments. They've never dealt with a distillery before. So they're trying to figure out what the laws are. And then I have to help them. Right through the process right. to try to explain to them what I think it should be. It took a long time to get zoning regulations and stuff like that just because they didn't know what to classify it as. Because they wanted, they wanted to keep classifying it as a brew pub.
0: Right, because that's really the only laws and the only structure that was written that they were aware of. Correct. Um, or a lot of people, and I think you ran into this too, they want to try to see where you fit in as a
1: winery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I try to explain to them, I am none of those things. And even when I would talk to talk to people, we'd be having conversations, and, and they would come back to me, like, What kind of beer do you make again? Right, right. And I'm like, Well, you still have to make beer in some way. Well, exactly. Right, I, well, but, you have right, to make beer, but right. I'm like, That's not really what I'm making. Right, yeah. Uh, By the way, there's another process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the process we're worried about. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's, it was a long process, a lot of books, a lot of internet. And you just practice. No, I didn't realize how many different kind of yeast there were. And just to source all the different yeasts and then fermentum, distillum, and each one had a different flavor, different characteristics. Yes, and
0: how that's going to interact with the sugars and, oh, yeah. and break down through distillation. One of the things I'm wondering is, where were you practicing? Technically, <laughs> until I opened up, that was the first time I'd ever seen a still. Okay.
1: Ordered something offline or well, just practiced no, on I, somebody else's still? I um, basically would go to other distilleries and see their process gotcha and i realized is very it's a simple process it's a you know it's a chemical reaction so i was confident i could do it and then i got my still the first still i got was a 100 gallon still gotcha the one still used today and the first batch i made was interesting
0: now, what were you? We were you, were you just we just distilling neutral green spirits at the time, shooting for vodka. What rum. were you trying rum. to? You were our trying focus, to focus. Our focus is wrong. Right.
1: Gotcha. Uh, we just added vodka last year.
0: Okay, because you, when you think about starting up the still, that may be the easiest thing to approach first. But you yeah. went you, you went to something a little bit different. Yeah, I figured. What's the
1: point of doing? If well, I'm going
0: to do this, so everybody I'm, else does. Yeah. I'm going to make a cake. Let's get out the ingredients for cake.
1: I'm yeah. not going to make cookies. Exactly. Gotcha. And um, I went through about seven different yeasts before I settled in on the one I wanted. And then once I did the first run of that, I really enjoyed it, but I knew the general public wasn't quite ready for that because it's funky. Okay. It's a funky, funky rum. And then I distilled it again, and that's when it came out clean as a day, and that's the product I knew was going to sell.
0: And that's still... The still that you're using in your manufacturing center, that's the one you're still using today. Correct. And you have that same still now in this space i know you have more expansion room yeah and i believe over in the area to our left if you could see that on yeah. the podcast there's going to be a still here that's Correct. the idea That still is
1: moving here that still is going to move here and basically that's still basically is the size of that area and about 14 feet tall the new still But replacing that at manufacturing is five times the size of that. Okay.
0: Now, are you looking, is the goal, and I don't want to get too far from the progression, but is the goal to now do um, distillation for distribution and not just, you know, with that kind of size, you're really looking to branch out and getting bottles into stores and, and doing distribution? Oh, the whole the whole from the very beginning. We're a manufacturer and distributor. Gotcha. We are not a, yeah, because not a bar. We we well, I mean you've got this we tasting have a bar. room. Yeah. And I tell you, and, and you can share and, and your wife Katie and I'm sure. sure the conversations you had to get to this tasting room, but you were doing farmers markets, you were doing oh, yeah. events. And we met you at the Fire and Ice Festival. Correct. And one of the things you know we're looking for is Now we're here. Where can we go to the tasting room? Yeah. And that was a couple years still in the mix. And you were posting on social media and talking about, you know, here are the pictures and here's the progression. This is what we're doing. Um, So what were the conversations with Katie? So when you said, I want to open a still.
1: I want to open a distillery. I'm going to buy a still. What were those conversations like? (laughs) She said, well, do it. Okay. She was like, figure it out and and, and just do it. Okay. Very supportive. Like 100%. Uh, it's it was scary because it was complete unknown, but that first run that I bottled, I sent into I guess the American Craft Spirits Association judging. Okay. And there was I think that at that time up, we were up against 179 rums, and rum at that point only had one category, rum. Right. It Wasn't. Spiced rum, flavored rum, aged rum. It was, send in your rum. Yeah, just send in your rum. Right. So my white rum was up against aged rums and all other rums, and the first run we got bronze medal. The first ever run. First ever run. You send in a bottle, you get a. Now, when you
0: get notified that you won a bronze medal, what was the feeling for that for you? It it was it was. You seem like amazing. a really humble guy, yeah. lucky guy. I mean, I get that from from meeting yeah. you and talking to you. What was that
1: like inside? It was amazing because to have experts validate, validated yeah. to what I already thought I knew, it, it felt amazing. That's really and cool. Yeah. That's it, really cool. And it just makes drives you to get better.
0: Was that your aha moment or what was your aha moment to say, I'm on to something, this is the right path, this idea is
1: the direction I should be going? I think that was one of them. Then that year, th- towards the end of the year, we started with with white rum. Then we added spice rum, and that went over very well. And then I had my genius idea. Okay, go ahead for Christmas rum, which has been a home run for you guys. Home run, yeah. It is. I can't make enough of it, and I've already started making it now for next for this holiday season coming up.
0: Yeah. So we're recording this on March twelfth, yeah. and you're already thinking about. I guess when your release is going to be around Thanksgiving yeah oh yeah for having enough bottles of this oh yeah what's your production how many bottles are what are you thinking about on that
1: this year uh, we'll probably first year I did 600 bottles with no distribution okay the only place you could get it was right where you're standing or at the no we had no tasting room oh
0: no no I mean but the festivals in in Redding festivals
1: in Redding between Thanksgiving and Christmas gotcha Or ordering. So I figured I'll make, I think I made five or six hundred bottles. And I did three farmer's markets and a small Saturday market. The small Saturday market, that was the release of it. I sold 290 bottles at a little craft show. And that's when I was like, okay, this might be something. And then, so this, up to this past year, we sold somewhere around... 6,000 bottles? Six. So you went 10 times.
0: Oh, yeah. You 10X'd. Ten, you ten oh, yeah. So Grant Cardone would be proud of you.
1: Yeah. And yeah. And then uh, next year we're already... Um, this year we have the plan now, and we'll probably take that 6,000 probably up to 15,000. Okay. Yeah. And it's... That's exciting. It is. It's real
0: exciting. But you're also... I mean, I guess my question to you is, when you do a run how many bottles is that producing for you per run we get normally about 200 bottles 200 bottles yeah so you when you start to look at the calendar <laughs> exactly and you still have your regular production correct and you said you added vodka yeah and there are other things maybe in the works for oh, what you're are. looking to do you've got this one still 100 gallon still and then you've got another one on the way yeah. that's gonna ramp up production but right now Every day is moving. You're, you're, you're doing something pretty much every day, I would Oh, imagine. every day.
1: Yeah. Pretty much seven days a week. And, you know, we still hand bottle everything, label, hand label everything. Uh, it just takes time. And there's no way to, to speed it up.
0: <laughs> it's just Distillation simple. takes time. It does. Yeah. And, and I get a sense and from our conversations and trying your product, you want it to be the best product. It's reflection of you. And what you're doing, you're not going to put in the bottle
1: just to sell something because you feel good about selling something. Exactly. That was one of the reasons I didn't. I was hesitant to make vodka just because I've had plenty of vodkas in this world. And vodka tastes like vodka, tastes like vodka for the most part. Right. Uh, So I didn't see the reason to go into that field until the demand was so high every day, everywhere I went. People were like, "Where's your vodka? Where's your vodka?"
0: Now were this bars and restaurants, or was general this public? General public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thinking, what can I do with this? I'd like to make cocktails. I'd like to have yeah. your
1: product to make yeah. those things with. Okay. Because everybody vodka is the number one selling spirit in the world, so the majority of people drink that. I just didn't know if there would be enough enough attraction as for a craft vodka. I wasn't just going to make another vodka. I tried grains from all over basically the world, uh, and I settled on a sugarcane base for my vodka. Which, as of now, I could be wrong, but in the continental United States, I know of one other distillery okay. that makes sugarcane. And I know there's one in Hawaii too. But it just comes out super clean. It almost tastes like water. This is the beauty about Craft Spirits. This is the beauty about
0: where you've come from with. Being in the back of the house, going through culinary training, you have a mindset of why don't we just try this? I'd be willing and open to see what this will provide. I can try all different things. Correct. And there may be others that have more of a, a, a tunnel focus yeah. based on what they've learned in different settings. Correct. Or what other people have suggested. You know, you're you're really this is from the bootstraps for you guys, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, so you are not answering to people saying. We need to get to this dollar value. We want to ramp up here. Yeah. So for you, it's just taking that step, that step, that step to get to where you are. Now, we're in a tasting room that is about six months old now? Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. Wow, it seems like that time went by so fast. Exactly. Really? Well, three months now. Three months. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll split we'll hairs. Yeah, exactly. But this was a long time coming. Correct. So you have the manufacturing center. It's just around the corner. It's not that far from here. Correct. What was it to get to here? What was the
1: process for you to get to here? Well, I started, once we opened that location, pretty much as soon as that location opened, I started looking for another property to add to open up a tasting room. And my focus is Reading, So we have looked and looked and looked in downtown to try to find the right fit. Uh, I was hoping to find a place I could move all manufacturing and have a tasting room in one building. But unfortunately, around here, the building's that size. There's a lot of warehouses, but they're all in basically disrepair. So you have to go in and rebuild the whole thing. And Penn Street is the main street of our city. Yeah, this and is the crossroads. Yeah, this is it. This, this is, is, this is this the is heart w- of thi- the city. This is w-
0: You're right on the corner. You're yeah. in the heart of everywhere where
1: somebody's going to be right yeah. now. And the person that owns this building... When he bought this building, I talked to their his project manager because his project manager and him wanted to open a distillery here. So I met with them and I helped them all I could. And then about a year went by and there was still nothing. And then I found out that the project manager had moved on. So I met with the owner to see just what his thought process was and what he wanted to do here without any thought of me actually moving in here. And the more we talked, the more we just both felt it would be a great fit. And then to build this out took about two years.
0: What's the timeline? 2012, you get the decision, the idea. What was the year you made your first rum? 2017.
1: 2017.
0: 2017. And we're in 2020. The tasting room opens three months later. What I always think about is that when people are doing this whole process and they see what you're doing, they think, "Well, you, you just must. This must have been overnight, right?" Yeah. You just started distilling something. You opened because that's what you see in bars. Yeah, exactly. You open up a bar. You got all these bottles. You got all these cocktail shakers, and yeah. everything comes together. But this has been a three, a seven year, seven years, seven basically. years to get to so, where yes. to where you are, and it was almost by that conversation or just just reaching out to people where yep. that fit came. And this is a great spot. You've got the, the two floors and you've got live music going on now yes. and a lot of things that I'm sure you're bringing to Reading that are making quite a few people happy. I, mean, oh, I see I see what you're doing, your social media, the place is packed. Um, yes. and, and I'm sure the sales and, and, and the response has been reflective of that. What in your mind, you, you said something that, that the key in for me, you said, I wanted to keep it in Redding. 100%. So talk about your connection with Reading. Well, I was born, born
1: and raised in Reading. Went to high school here And then I moved away Went to school yep. You were, school, you were in beaches college, on every, every, every corner beaches, of the world yeah. guess. <laughs> um, Traveled all around the world And then one day We decided Me and my wife decided to get married And we decided To move back to Reading Because it's where we're from Our families at the time all still lived here All of our old friends were still here And when we moved back, I was going to open up a restaurant, a restaurant and bar. So for two years, I've location after location, and I just couldn't find the right fit. And then luckily, the distillery laws changed. Right. And then that's how that process. And it just, some days it seems like it was yesterday. And then some days it seems like it was 20 years ago. Uh, You just, every day is a new, a new journey. And it's hard to even remember back to like some of the struggles you used to have. Because now... The struggles are different. It's just a different struggle every day. Absolutely. I mean, you open up the tasting room,
0: now you have other tax liabilities and all the things that go along with that, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing people people don't understand. I had a conversation with somebody one night, and they said to me, they were like, how does it feel to not have to work anymore?
0: Right. Oh, my God. Right? You're working seven days a week now. (laughs) And, and, And don't get paid. Right.
1: I'm like, I don't think that you understand how this works. Like, I work seven days a week, and for a year and a half, two years almost, I also had a full-time job. So I would get up in the morning, take my daughter to school, go to work all day, get done, go to the distillery, and be there till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, go home, get two hours of sleep, get up and do it again. And do everything again. Every single day. So the real question is,
0: how does it feel... To do something that you're really connected to and passionate about,
1: right? Is that the real question? The, the, I think that's that's. I think that's where people get confused when they say that you don't have to work anymore. It's a lot of work and it's hard work. And there's still days where I get up and I'm like, I don't want to go yeah. do this.
0: You, you would be inhuman. I mean, there are days yes. when you don't want to lift up yeah. the, the, the the grain. You don't want to have to clean out the still. Exactly. Right. You don't want to have the bottle.
1: Yeah. You know the labels
0: aren't going on straight.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's you get frustrated but you know every every day when it's finished and you and you look at what you have we made it you know i made it brian one of our co-workers he made it kate made it we make this ourselves and nobody does it for us and that's what basically gets you through through all the hard work i think that's the connection with craft
0: whether it's woodworking whether it's metalwork whether it's something along the lines of you start with a raw product and you create a finished product. That's why this is so special. That's why this sector and what you do is so special because it's really taking that beginning grain or the sugar yeah. or whatever the base, and then getting it to bottle. That's what it's all about for you. When you yeah, know, hey, I don't feel like doing it today,
1: but look what I get to create. Exactly. And that's the passion side for oh, you, yeah. right? And it's and it's kind of like when I was in the kitchen, and when I and I was still cook. We have what? to still cook. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I take ingredients here, put them together through the process, and at the end, comes out with amazing dishes. And the people that eat it enjoy it so much that it makes it – that's what makes it for me. So you that, touched on the fact that when you were in the kitchen,
0: you saw the bartenders. But now you're behind the bar. You're pouring and making cocktails and pouring drinks. People are walking in here. They don't know you're the owner. Correct. Right? But they get to enjoy your cocktail. Yeah. And then they're having conversations with you about how much they're enjoying it. Yeah. It's almost like undercover boss. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm undercover distiller. Yeah. Yeah. And then they find out, no, I made that. Yeah. What's the reaction for people? I mean, what's the reaction? You, you talk about friends and family. But what's the reaction? You know, you, you've you invested in reading, And there's a, there's a heart here for you. You want to... We're not in West Reading. We're in downtown Reading. Correct. This area, you're helping to revitalize. You are yes. the cornerstone, and a couple other businesses right now are in the cornerstone of revitalizing this area. Correct, yes, 100%. What's that mean for you? That mm-hmm. means everything.
1: That's... Obviously, I want to have a successful business, but that's not enough for me. Like, I look at this city, and I spent however many decades here. Um, there's so many great people here. And it's just... Like, in this area like there's just people have just misconceptions of of the city and i wanted to show them they're wrong basically like there are plenty of things to do downtown and to come and enjoy and i have people from new york chicago that have come already let alone everybody in Reading, the surrounding area and people are so excited to have something downtown to do like West Reading is great, and they have great bars and restaurants and breweries. That shouldn't take away from more stuff coming downtown. But also.
0: what I see here is you're an ambassador for bringing that here as well. Yeah. And you touched on the fact that the buildings may not be ready yet, but you're going to have developers and people that say, if I start buying these buildings and creating these spaces, yes, activities, thing to do. I mean, Reading at a time was a very wealthy, rich, industrial city with a lot of things going on.
1: This is one of the most, of the most wealthy cities
0: in the country. Yeah. Obviously, like every other city, it goes through. But yeah. this is where it's, it's, it's that blooming again. Yeah. So my, my thought is, and I'm watching as your face changes when you talk about Reading. what's it feel like for you to lead or be part of that redevelopment and, 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 and the new history of Reading?
1: It's interesting because I don't really think about it too much okay. on a daily basis. Um, I know it's part of who I am, but when I do think about it, it makes me proud you know, to be part of it.
0: Because you could have put any name on the
1: bottle. Exactly. I mean, you could have come up with any name. And yeah.
0: I don't know if there was any kind of uh, uh, research and development, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you were sitting down thinking, what, what should we have put on the bottle? But you chose Reading. Yeah, there was never, right?
1: a, there was never uh, a thought about it being named anything else. Well, there was at one point. It was either going to be Flowers Distillery or Reading Distillery, and then I f- focused on Reading just because the history everybody knows Reading from Monopoly Board, right? Like it just—it's it's a railroad. It's its own, yeah. It's its own thing. And then to go back and forth, the hardest part was to figure out: Do I want to put on a pagoda or a train as my focus? The train just made so much sense. It's just the history of Reading.
0: Well, I think the train is more... I, I think it's symbolic
1: yeah. for
0: what you're bringing, to, I mean, you think about the, the strength of the train, the industrialization of the train. Yes. The moving forward of the train. When you get on a train, something's going somewhere. Yeah. The pagoda... I think is a is a symbol of the rich culture and history of Reading, and I have to tell you, the first time I was at Reading, I didn't know there was a pagoda. Exactly, um, I saw it on the hill, <laughs> went to visit. I'm like, this is cool, and yeah, it's a focal point. They'll change the colors on oh, it yeah. at different points. It's a really neat thing. Yeah. And you think Reading a pagoda? What's why is there a pagoda Reading? I don't yes. know, but but you're you're taking symbols of Reading and you're putting them front and center to be. You know, a, a, a symbol for what the what the distillery is is looking to exactly.
1: Do, right? I, there's just so much negativity about Reading that I felt as though I needed to put my brand Reading forward so people can remember and can think what Reading was, what Reading is, and what Reading is going to be. That's how people need to think about the city. Um, every city has its problems, its you know ups downs. Poverty, what you name it, right? Every city there's, has. There's it. no place that it doesn't no. go without having yeah. those issues. And but when you focus on the negative issues all the time, what what time do you have to focus on the positive issues and to create new stuff? And that's what I want people to think. Like when they come downtown, they'll walk in here and they'll say to me, "This doesn't look like it should be in Reading." They're like, "This looks like it should be in Manhattan, or this looks like it should be in Philly." And I said, well, why doesn't it look like it should be in Reading?" And they said, well, there's just nothing like this in Reading." I'm like, that's not a reason for it not to be here. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Yeah, we don't, I didn't we choose... don't have things like this here. Yeah, I didn't yeah. choose to do the same thing that every, uh, everybody else did because everybody else already did it. I took my experiences living all over the country and traveling the world, and I brought them here. I'm like, if they work in New Orleans, they work in London, they work in Paris, they work in Vegas, they gonna work here too. You just have to have the faith. And believe in yourself. And that's, and that's what the new, I can see the new generation of entrepreneurs in this area, they're thinking more outside the box. And they're just doing, and they're just going for it. And that's what's going to change the city.
0: I believe that. I mean, I, again, seeing what you're doing. Now, what was the spirit that you started with? Let's try that. Let's taste some things. Talk about your vision and what you were looking to do. And, and we can talk a little bit more as we go with that. Sure.
1: And this is the white rum. This was our original. And my thought, my thought on this whole cocktails and alcohol spirit business model was you need to make spirits that on their own can stand up for themselves. And they can be drank neat, straight on the rocks. But they also need to, when you talk about rums and white rums, it has to be a great ingredient in a cocktail. And that's not too easy to make all the time. Right, you're talking about a balance.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of rums and being a bartender are cocktail centered. They're, they're making them to make cocktails. More expensive rums yeah. are made to be sipping rums. Yeah. So much good to find that balance. That's a, that's yeah. a very interesting take on what you're thinking
1: about doing. Yeah. Like so, when I tried all white rums I could find anywhere, and the majority of them, the nose would just smell like pure ethanol. ethanol. Yeah. And then you would drink it, and it would just burn,
0: and that's just not what I was going for. So, what's the proof on this? Because I don't get a lot of oh. anything on that in the a- nose. Eighty proof. Eighty proof. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. so it it, it kind of gives a nose of an eighty proof. Yeah. rum? I get pineapple, which is the first thing I get. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking, you're telling me what you're looking to get now. What's the base? What's the base for your rum? Molasses.
1: Molasses. And yep. is that local or where do you source that from? Well, there's no local molasses, but. There is a local molasses distributor, which is one of the largest molasses distributors in the country. And I think it's the largest in the Northeast. That's about 20 miles south of here.
0: All right, so it's actually, you know, it's a distributor, but it's local. But it's local, yeah. Now, are there different, and I always wondered this, are there different grades or different degrees of molasses that you have to choose from?
1: There are multiple different grades of molasses. Um, And basically how it's ranked is the more... Non-sugar you have in it, the lower the grade. So you have all the way from feed molasses, is what they feed to cows and pigs. Gotcha. Um, there's almost no sugar in it, and it's all basically the leftovers from when they make it's granulated like, it's sugar. It's like the
0: scrapple of molasses. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good way. To,
1: that's a good way to look at it. Um, all the way up to what I use is um, the highest level baking molasses. Okay. It has the, le- the least amount of impurities. And the highest sugar content. And I just like the way it comes out. Um, I've done blackstrap molasses too, which is like in the middle. Um, I don't particularly like the flavor of it. Okay. Uh, There are other blackstrap molasses out there. But most of those, once they're done, they add molasses back to the end product to make it sweet. Right. So, And I don't add any sugar... The only one I add a little bit of any type of um, sweetener or sugar type situation is the fall rumpkin pumpkin, pumpkin spice rum. There's a little bit of um, local molasses in that. Just I, think, to give it a little, I think your
0: mindset is that gives people, you know, you're drinking like a pumpkin pie, you're drinking something, You, you your mind is already wanting it to be sweet. Exactly, right? yes. Yeah, so you bring that mm-hmm. in. Um, so talk about the, the flavor and and. and What
1: your ideas of what you were looking for for them. For the rum? Yes. I wanted something that had some body left in it. Most people think of rum as a sweet drink, a sweet uh, spirit. Right. But it's not. White rum is not any sweeter than any other clear alcohol, basically. But this has a tiny bit. You can almost... While you're drinking it, it's not sweet. But when it's gone, it has a little bit of sweetness there. It sits on the back of the tongue, the back of the palate? A tiny bit. Uh, But I still wanted to have flavors. And this, when it's before... the, The white rum goes through two distillations. So the second distillation is what gets bottled. When it comes out on the first distillation, when you smell it, it smells like walking through a wet forest in the morning. Okay. And it's funky and earthy. Was that like your elite. first
0: experience and realized
1: you needed to do a double distillation yes. process? Okay. And I really liked it, but I mean, like I said before, I'm like, the general public is, is not, it's not a broad enough taste to, to distribute at this time. Um, and then once I went to it the second time, and it tampered them down, there's still a little bit of the funkiness in the way back. And at the end of it, it has a little bite of tequila. A lot of people... See, this is why I like listening to the distiller talk about it.
0: I can feel those things. I can taste those things. But you have a direction that you're shooting for. Yes. But it's playing in my mouth. Yeah. It's playing in my brain. Yeah. When you said tequila, I was thinking tequila while I get almost like the finish of what a gin might be mm-hmm. too. I get pepper notes. It's,
1: it definitely has a little bit of pepper in it.
0: Because my nose is doing that pineapple, mm-hmm. I almost like get a grilled pineapple mm-hmm. flavor on the palate too. Yeah. But that you said tequila, it's, it's right on there. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I have so many people that they'll come up to me and they're like, oh, I, I don't drink rum. I'm like, okay, why, why don't you drink rum? Well, I used to drink rum when I was in college. Of course. I said, I can understand that 100%. I said, but would you like to try this rum? Because it's not going to taste like whatever rum you had with fruit punch in it when you were in college. And they'll taste it straight, and they're just like, they're like, that's not rum. Right. I'm like, no. What do they they think it is? Oh, some people think it's tequila, my Christmas rum. I, I had a, some people would call it an argument. I had a conversation with somebody okay. <laughs> last year we opened up a pop-up tasting room right. in west Reading. weird opportunity i knew somebody that had a building people moved out he was like do you want to have it for the month i had four days to open up an entire bar so i said sure i can do that i can open a bar in four days and we're in there and tasting our christmas room and this person is like this is oh man i love this they're like, they're like, so what kind of bourbon is it again? Right. I'm like, it's not bourbon, it's my Christmas rum. And they told me to my face, nope, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm wrong. You're the, you distilled I'm, it? I distilled you it. You I it. It? I bought it, I made it, I labeled it, and they told me, nope, I'm telling you right now, this is bourbon. And I said, you know what? I was just messing with you, it is bourbon. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> fine, sure. I was like, would you like a bottle of it? He's like, yes. I'm like, well, here's the Christmas rum. Tell everybody it's Christmas bourbon. Tell everybody it's bourbon. Yeah, That's It's why. a Christmas miracle.
0: Yeah, you bottled rum, it rum, came out as bourbon. It came out as <laughs> bourbon. Yeah. Um, he's going to hear the podcast and he's going, no, I still believe that guy. Yeah, I, I yeah. still think it's bourbon. Oh, exactly. He's
1: showing it off to everybody. Yeah, But I have so many people that will taste it straight, which almost nobody drinks straight white rum. And they're ready for it to be burned, right. burn your nose. And they'll drink it and they'll just look at me. And, just, and look back at their empty glass and say, I, I can't believe that's wrong. They're like, it's it's so good. And like, that's what you want. You know? You know, bottle sales and money, whatever, that's great. But that look in somebody's face. Right. When they appreciate. You feed
0: off of that. Oh, 100%. That's, that's what makes it special for you. Yeah. And if somebody wants to pay you and keep the lights on. Yeah. Oh, that's. that's, that's, You get to keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. You get to reliving that same experience. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. But I will tell you. I mean, even with that small taste that we just did, it's a nice, pleasurable, lingering mouth. um, As far as just what's there, it's still sweetness there. Mm -hmm. Even I, I, we could say three or four minutes ago, it's a nice sipping rum. And I, I've had some of the cocktail, so it's a nice balance for the cocktails too. It works out well. What's your next, uh, what, what's the, we got like 500 bottles on the table here, <laughs> um, but a lot of
1: stuff going on. Yeah. And then our second one is uh, spice Rum, which is the second rum that came out, and I, I get a lot of people that, that come to me and say, oh, I love, you name it, Captain Morgan, Sailor Jerry, whichever spice Rum there is, and they're, and they're like, I can't wait to taste your rum. And I will tell tell every single one. It's not going to be that. I said, you're not going to like mine at all It's It's going to be different. I said, mine is actually spiced rum. My rum gets all the color from real spices. I don't add any sugar. There's no caramel in it. It's not sweet. The wonderful thing is that I'm nosing this while you're describing Mm. that. And
0: I get a sweetness of cinnamon. And it it layers in next. I get some cloves. I get some
1: nutmeg. Cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg. Ginger, all uh, the ginger spice. just Yeah, the ginger—it's yeah. really there. Vanilla, and then for some sweetness, I use a sweet orange peel, which gives it a hint of sweetness, but it's not sweet or or viscous or thick with syrup. So it has a sweetness to it, but it's not sweet like the other spice rums. And like I call them, they call themselves spice rums, right? But I call them. Vanilla flavor, sweet rum. Okay. Because there's not really any spice in them.
0: <laughs> what I get off of that is it almost tastes like a cinnamon tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that cinnamon, and then what happens is the warmness of the rest of the spices kind of take over. But I get almost like a, a, a black tea mm-hmm. flavor in the mouth There, there well. is a
1: tea flavor. Um, I just think that's because from the, the steeping of it, basically we just make the white rum, and then we take, they look like big giant tea bags. And fill them with real cinnamon and real cloves and nutmeg and let it sit there. And there's no rushing it or changing it. And like people come in and this, like the spice Rum, it's normally about that color. Sometimes it's a little bit darker. In the beginning it was a little bit lighter because I didn't add as much. Uh, No, like, well, this one's lighter than the last one I had. I said, well, I make it out of real... Real hey, listen stuff. every day may be a little different. Yeah, I'm like the cinnamon is different like they're all different potencies. I said, but it always tastes the same. I mean it might look differently. I was like, but it always will taste the same way every time. And that was a, that was a good seller. That's been a good seller. The spice drum has gone over really well so far. And then Christmas ROM, which unfortunately I don't have any of. That's okay, but
0: you know what? Yeah. It'll be out in November. It'll so when people listen to the podcast, they can check your website, they can yes. sign up on your social media, okay. and they can be alerted to when that first comes out. Yeah. I can tell you, and I've had it; it's phenomenal. It yeah. really is. It's something to wait for. It's something to show up for. Yeah. And I know, however, you're going to distribute the fifteen thousand bottles. Yeah. You don't want to miss out because fifteen thousand bottles. It goes like that. We'll
1: be gone. We'll probably be... We went from... Our normal distribution in state stores is probably 30 state stores. We're we're pretty local. Uh, And then they came to me this year and they wanted the Christmas rum and then found out about the pumpkin spice rum. And they are like, we'll take the Christmas rum and the pumpkin spice rum but we're taking them statewide. And I said, well, like how many? See, for people to understand if you're listening out of the state
0: of Pennsylvania, what will happen is the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board you distribute through there. Through them. They will send them to their state stores. Correct. So they're going to say, Chris, yeah. I want a pallet, and this is how many cases we want. Yes. And this is what we're going to distribute. Exactly. And you say, I can do that, yes. or I'm not going to be
1: able to fulfill that.
0: But you're not going to say that. You're going to say, I can do that.
1: I've never I've never said I right. can't do anything because, in my life.
0: Because now look, <laughs> look what happens. Now people throughout the state are now going to enjoy your Christmas yeah. rum. And you know, if they're not able to get to Reading, now they get to
1: enjoy that. Exactly. Yeah. I got I have people sending me pictures from Erie, Pittsburgh, all, the west side of the state. And they're like, I can't believe that this is in my state store. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. And again, for you, it's like, I'm at a Reading, and here you're here my
0: bottle that I bottled, that I labeled, that yeah. I put the top on, yeah. is now somewhere else and you're enjoying it somewhere else. Exactly. That's pretty cool. It, 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 That's it's pretty cool. It's amazing. Yeah. So what came after the spice rum? And then spice rum. We have our vodka. Our vodka. Now, we talked a little bit about this. This is a sugar... Sugar cane. Sugar cane vodka. Yes. Now, you tried a lot of different things, or you just said because, you know, is there a theme involved because it's rum, or what was the background on that?
1: No. I was... I like some different kinds of vodkas, and I've drank a lot of vodka. It's not my main thing, but I have through the business and everything. And I can tell the differences between vodkas to a point. Okay. But I'm not going to pretend. Like if you put five vodkas in front of me and tell me to name them, it's never going to happen because vodka tastes like vodka. So I wasn't going to do potato because potato is a mess to mash and to distill. It's a mess. So I focused on different kind of wheats and rye, And sugarcane was an afterthought. And then when I, did, when I did them all and tasted them all, The sugar cane, just for me, it just stood out as the cleanest of all of them. When you, it it has almost. I get a
0: vanilla nose. I get some pepper. I get some citrus, like lemon. Yeah, a little bit of lemon. But the thing is when you, you don't get ethanol. No, you don't. There's no burn. There's no, I mean. mean, You can do it with your mouth closed. Oh yeah. And there's not, it's not there. There's nothing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I will put any other vodka you get, whatever brand you like, try the same thing. It smells like ethanol, and this doesn't, which I think... And there's no, I just there's no
0: burn on the palate either. Exactly. Almost, I don't know why, but the first thing that came to my mind was like a cotton ball. And then in <laughs>
1: and in like Fluffernutter, because yeah. I still got that little vanilla in you there. Have, there's a tiny, like in the very middle of it, in the middle of the experience, there's a tiny bit of like pop of sweetness. Yeah. But it's if you weren't directly thinking about it, you'd miss it. But then, as soon as it's gone, it's, it, your palate. You drained. do as soon as it's gone.
0: You do get a little bit. You know it's vodka. Oh yeah, I that's mean there's the still the alcohol it's there. Still 80, 80 it still proof. shows up. Yeah, it's almost like if you stuck your tongue out and caught a snowflake on your tongue. Yeah, and the first thing you feel is cold, and then you feel it melt, and then you just get the water yeah. that's left. Yeah, that's like the whole experience
1: of that vodka. Yeah. That's, that's fun. Yeah. It's and it's um, people will come in and they're like, I'm very particular about my vodka. I only drink whichever label you like. Right. And they were like, well, how does it to stand up against that? I said, I don't know. I like it. I said, well, why don't you try it? and You tell me. And so don't people try. are still
0: saying, hey, wait, I need you to validate my decision to drink yeah. your vodka. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I tell them, I'm not going to do that. You taste it and you tell me. Right. Obviously, I like it or I wouldn't make it and sell it. People will drink it. I can't can, wait for people to the... tell you this is bourbon. It's not vodka. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's just amazing like, to see people's faces because a lot of times... People are already predisposed to not like anything new. I like what I like, and I don't like anything else. And you can see it as they taste something. You can see their reaction. And I don't even need you to talk. Right. I can see it as soon as your face changes. I know what you're going to say. And it's and it's awesome. Obviously, not everybody says that. No, no I some mean. Some people like whatever they like. They, you and know, I'm, like sorry, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't like this. And yeah, it's not for me. That's yeah, why. I like this. I'm like, that's why. Right? You know. That's why there's a whole shelf of vodka. It's, it's well, yeah. a, right, a
0: matter of everybody's presence. So we mentioned, we talked about the pumpkin. Yes. So let's let's
1: talk, let's let's try that a little bit. Let's try that. And this came to be like a lot of stuff. And, and, like, and you can and see it yeah, in these By bottles, the way, you are shaking it. So you yeah, are bringing the... sediment in it. Like I don't filter any of my stuff. Like I don't cold filter. So when there's oils and stuff in it, and it sits for a while, they come right to the bottom. And it's, it's funny because the state stores, I'll get these emails, oh, return bottle because of sediment. I'm like, there's supposed to be sediment in it. Like, just shake it. And yeah, so, and, and, and what's the response there? Oh, they don't care. They don't care. No.
0: No, I, you no, like, know, it's almost like maybe you put some sort of
1: instructions well, that's what we're gonna on start the bottle, right? right? That we're going to do from now on for the... Pumpkin. Shake well. For the pumpkin and the Christmas rum, we're gonna do either neck labels or we're gonna put a sticker on that says Shake Well. But again, these are those we talked
0: about a little bit. Now what are the problems or what are the issues, what are the hurdles I still have to you would never have expected to get that, right? That that wouldn't have resonated to it you if somebody said I lost my mind. Hey, by the way, people are returning the bottles or you know, the people are you know, they're commenting that there's sediment at the bottom. Yeah. That just, oh my God, I wouldn't have thought of that. No, because I
1: thought at this point with cra- how craft beers are, like, try to find, a, you know, a $10 bottle of craft beer that doesn't have sediment in the bottom. Right. So I would just, I just, in my mind, I'm like, people that drink those type of things are going to be people that drink these types of things. But I, I, was, I was wrong. This is There's a, a lot of they're different They're in a whole people. new frontier. Exactly. And you
0: still are, and people don't realize you're at the beginnings of the frontier where people have gotten educated we're about and 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 even craft beer and what they're doing is still taking it to the next level oh, exactly. the next level but you're at that beginning
1: frontier yeah so and it's and it's training people like I'm glad that craft beer set a good base for it but now me and, and the other distillers around the country we have to take our own Responsibility to train the general public. Absolutely. Educate. And that's, and, and that's what and, we're doing. And make
0: them aware of what you're doing yeah. and how you're doing it. Yeah. I love the nose on this. Yeah. I mean, I, this should be a Yankee candle or something, just just in itself. This, th- We were going to
1: have uh, Christmas rum. I thought we were going to have our candles ready for okay. this past year. So this year we'll have candles for Rumpkin and candles for Christmas rum. Hopefully this year.
0: I get cranberry or a berry
1: nose on here with beyond the spices yeah here's the thing about the rumpkin pumpkin and the christmas rum each person finds their own flavor in them basically whatever thanksgiving fall tastes to you in your mind that's what this is going to taste like and it's the same thing with Christmas, even to another level, because Christmas has more ingrained smells and right, taste. senses
0: and things like that.
1: And so when people ask me, what does Christmas rum taste like? I look at them 100% and say, it tastes like Christmas. And they tell me, well, what does Christmas taste like? <laughs> I said, well, you taste it, and you tell me. And they're like, and like these people's faces are just like, what are you, t- whatever. And they'll drink it, and they're, and they're like, it does taste like Christmas. But everybody's different. Some people tell me it tastes like pine needles. They're like, how do you make it taste like pine needles? I'm like, it doesn't taste like pine needles. But the combination of the spices in it reminds you of Christmas. And in your mind, Christmas reminds you of pine needles. So you smell and taste pine needles.
0: It's a real interesting, fascinating experience that you go through where your taste buds start to create memories or bring back memories of what you experienced. It's funny because I love cranberry sauce. At Thanksgiving time, yeah, um, but you, you do get the I mean you do get on the nose you do get the squash pumpkin. Oh yeah, left. it tastes like, it's a, like, like a
1: like a butternut squash
0: soup or something yeah. like that. That's exactly yeah. i you know even even the creaminess yeah. if, if you know a little bit of the heavy cream yeah. on
1: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that's the thing is. So this has this actually has the same spice in it as Christmas. It has cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves. Those are the three spices that go into this one and go into Christmas. This one has more. It a bit nutmeg? Yeah, this one has more nutmeg in it, which gives it that. Like you put your nutmeg on top of your soups, and you put your, and your nut nutmeg is just like a more focal part part of Thanksgiving to me. Yes. So that's why I make that a little bit stronger, and then that little bit of syrup in it, the little bit of maple syrup, like. Balances out because those those are those spices together are rough, and it just needed a little bit to clean it up a little bit. And then when you mix this and like our number one thing for this is uh, this and apple cider.
0: Oh, I, that and sounds like it would just be. I, I could sit here
1: all day. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. I think we actually had that cocktail. To oh yeah, be honest oh yeah. with you, it's, and it's, it, it, it's and I think killer. we wanted to sit here all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it, it's it's amazing. And then we do. Came up, came up with an idea for all these festivals and stuff we do. We make pouches. Oh, what are the pouches? Uh, like, sachets? like just Seventeen ounce. They look like Capri Suns. Okay, so they're the already prepared. I make them, um, cocktails in them. People come up, order them. They get hand a pouch, out pouch
0: with a little with sippy, a straw. Yep. and away they go. And away they go. That's a great
1: idea. Can't I, can't can't produce them fast enough. That's, that's it, a great idea. It, yeah.
0: Again, these are the things that come out of just your experience and saying, "Well, we can make that. We don't have to worry about people in line and then ladling yeah. out
1: and then making cocktails, things like
0: that." And it's it's
1: great marketing because when you are at an event, they see people walking around they, with pouches. Where with did the I pouch? get one of those? Where's that pouch? Where do you, where do you get the pouch? Yeah, and it, it just drives your marketing. I mean, that's the thing is like people don't understand. It's like you're not you don't you're not a dist- distiller. You do marketing taxes. Clean the bathrooms. You do everything. Yes. But and you have to do everything. You can't let one slide. Because if you let one go, the whole thing goes. Right. And marketing is is, is a big Well it's part huge of it. now. It's,
0: it's social media, it's yeah. you know, getting your name out there, it's the swag you yeah. produce, it's all of that. Yeah. I mean, even even from the standpoint you've got your tiki glasses going on there and now yeah. it's Mardi Gras time and your your focus on that. I know that you know, we're about to open. But now with the bar, you've got some infusions going on. So yes. talk about, you, you just, what are some of the infusions you're working with with your rum? Well, we, we come up
1: with, that's the good thing about us, we just figure stuff out and we just do it. We don't have to ask anybody. Right. Nobody's in it. You don't have to ask for permission. No, we don't ask for permission. Like me and Brian were sitting there one day at Christmas time. We were coming up with a new menu and we came up with a candy cane. Chocolate. Martini. So we said, we need candy cane infused vodka. Awesome. So we opened up a whole thing of candy canes, just dumped in the vodka, and, and here then, we go. And, and then here we go. And we were thinking, okay, this is great. We made the drink, and it was amazing. And I never thought that anybody would want to buy it. Like I didn't make it for that reason. I made it because I needed an they ingredient. They were asking you for bottles. Where do I buy this? Oh, I get a phone call the first night. The next day after I was open. Yeah. Where do I buy the candy cane vodka? I said, Well, you don't. You don't. I said, But like, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to pour you into the cocktail. Yeah. I was like, But if you want a bottle, I was like, I can get it. I can make it for you. I was like, Just just like, just let me know. And then he said, Excellent. He's like, When can I pick it up? I'm like, D- You just let me know. He's like, All right, I need two cases. I was like, Two cases? Two Cases? We went from like, a bottle oh, to twenty-four oh, of them. Oh, okay. I was like, All right. Then we'll, I was like. You can come by next week and I'll have them ready for you. And then, but like, that's how stuff works around here. So now we're working on labels for candy cane vodka for next year to go to market. That's how it works. Yeah. And then this one, we had, um, what did we have? Chili, Chili, Chili fundraiser. Uh, one of the guys I know that they, they do blankets of hope and they do blankets for anybody needs blankets, basically shelters or people, people that need blankets and they moved on now. They also buy beds and stuff. And one of their big events is uh, the one chef around here makes five tons of chili and then local businesses will sell it for him. So we were doing this on a Saturday. So we were like, let's come up with some chili drinks. So then here came chili pepper infused rum and vodka. And now you got that. Yes. Uh, which one would you like to try? <laughs> Alright. And then and we didn't know how this was going to go either. And we couldn't make it fast enough.
0: So you, you steep the chili peppers in the rum and vodka. Yep. And then they just, the dry chilies, right? Yep. And they just sit there? And they just stay there. And that's it. Uh, this is, you can, you get the chili right on the nose. And apparently oh, yeah. there's a squirt bottle now. Yeah. It says, it says passion. Passion. I know, I mean, and then in, I'm, I'm concerned about what I'm supposed to do with a squirt bottle that says passion. <laughs> I'm sure you can
1: figure it out. <laughs> so you make your own little cocktail here. And then you can try that cocktail too with it. So, it, it's... Oh, hello. Oh, no, it's real. It's as real as it gets. Wow. This is probably the spiciest vodka I've
0: ever had. It's really good. Yes. I mean, this way... I mean, sometimes there will be vodkas or infusions. Yeah. And it's an essence of... Exactly. This says hello and stays with you. Oh, yeah. But it's a nice heat. It's not overwhelming. I would love this in the
1: Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Bloody Marys are great. And then but we mix them with the passion fruit or the mango... So then it has that relief. Yeah, the sweetness. Of the sweetness. Yeah. It takes it down. And but it, this is and delicious. It, and you get and you get both sides. You get the hot, but you also get that nice soothing mouthfeel from the from the passion fruit juice or the mango juice. I like this because it makes my head feel sweaty now. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> yeah. So you
0: really enjoyed I mean you and Brian and the creativity and things that come out of just hey, we're gonna do a chili cook off. Why don't we find something that's going to be a nice complement to the chili cook off? Exactly. What is next for Redding Guild? What, what's, what's what are you looking at in next couple of months? Where do you see yourself? You know, what what, what are your
1: dreams and ideas? What would you like to see? In the next couple of months, uh, we're expanding distribution. We're also adding two new labels, which are coconut water infused rum and vodka. Get out of here! Yeah. Oh my God! People keep asking for coconut rum. And I tell them to go drink Malibu. Yeah, That's what you want. You, you get
0: the proof is forty yeah. percent. You can't do any I mean it's almost like a sweetener. I cook yeah. with it. Yeah. That's what I do yeah. with it.
1: And it, and it's sugar. Yeah. Um so I just I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And one day I really like coconut water. I said, All right, that actually tastes like coconut. How can I make this into to a spirit? And I figured it out. The one problem with it is they both basically just taste like coconut water. Okay. But mine's 80 proof. So I've had people drink it, and they drink it, the spirit, like it's coconut water. They'll fill a pint glass and just start drinking but it. But now we're talking 80 proof. I'm like, no, no, it's 80 <laughs> proof. They're like, want no. go out jogging with no, this. No, no. And they're like, no, but it tastes like coconut water. I'm like, correct. It'll hit you. But you're just drinking – basically, you're just drinking a giant glass of vodka. But it has coconut water in it, so it's rehydrating, too. So it's helping. Yeah, 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 This is good. But it's still 80-proof. All right. <laughs> and that's the thing is I I won't make anything under 80-proof. I, I just – personally, I don't see the point. Well, then you're making a liqueur, and I don't yeah. think
0: you're in that market yeah. where you want to be. No. You want to be a spirit. Yeah. So that's, that's the focus. So you've got the coconut water vodka – and you said one other label Oh, the coconut be, water rum. The, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. coconut water rum. And vodka. And vodka. Yeah. So those are the two new labels. Yeah. And, and here's what it is. It, it'll help you build out your bar program, too. Oh, yeah. And it expands the cocktails you can make. So you've yeah. got events going on here.
1: You've got live music. What are some of the other events you have here? We have a bunch. We do a bunch of fundraisers here. So in the last weekend of April on Saturday for Antietam Valley, which is one of the suburbs right next door here. It's actually where I live. Uh, it's a fundraiser for their community park okay. and we're having that here it's a sangria social so it's a bunch of wineries going to come in have sangrias everybody can hang out support local causes and we do a lot of local charity events uh, throughout the year and we allow them to come and use the facilities free of charge uh, just, that's what you have to keep the community all together um, and then soon, we have our outside seating that starts. This to is going to be awesome because you got that big courtyard out there. Oh, uh, yeah. That looks like it's going to yes. be a lot of fun. And then we do uh, one of the people that we work with. They do let's called First Friday. Uh, every First Friday, once the weather gets better, on the corner across the street, they set up a bar, their food truck come in, and they have bands. And then we'll work together because their bands will stop earlier. And then we'll start ours as soon as they stop just to have a, a more focal for like a, a whole night. You can spend the whole night.
0: And yeah, right here enjoying thing. the time. Yeah. Having a good time. So people want to find you and know what the events that are coming up. Your website is? rdgspirits.com. rdgspirits.com. So it's redingspirits.com. Red yeah, spirits.com. exactly. Um, social media-wise, they find you on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All those things, oh, yeah. And the location where we are right now is five hundred three Penn Street in downtown. Five hundred three Penn Street in downtown. Ray, Chris, this has been a blast. I yeah. From the time that we met you two years ago, you and your wife Kate at Fire and Ice, it's just been we, we've enjoyed watching, we tasting your spirits, enjoy watching you grow, look forward to just nothing but great things from you. I know from your mind, from your creativity, it's you know you, you, your ceiling is is only how far you can dream it. Yes, that's that's where we're going. Yeah. So I appreciate your time. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Excellent.